Welcome to Green and Red, Scrappy Politics for Scrappy People, a regular podcast on radical environmental and anti-capitalist politics, brought to you by Bob Bazanko and Scott Park. Welcome to the silky smooth sounds of the Green and Red podcast. I'm your co-host Scott Parkin in Berkeley, California today. And as always, I am joined by uh, Bob Bazenko. I'm in Houston right now, and uh, it's good to good to be back. It's been a few weeks, so yeah, it is good to be back. We've been we've been a little bit of hiatus for the last couple of weeks. Um, today, we're going to be talking about an issue that's been in the news a lot, uh, but I don't actually think we've ever covered this before. I don't think we covered border issues before, but we're going to be talking about the border. Uh, joining us is. Candace Byrne, who is a return guest to the Green and Red podcast, who's a senior editor and staff reporter at Truthout, who's also been published in The Nation and These Times, the Texas Observers, and uh, many other many other publications. Candace, welcome back to Green and Red podcast. Hey, Scott and Bob. Thanks so much for having me back. Yep. Uh, so we're going to be talking about your uh, recent trip and article to the border, to Eagle Pass, Texas, just to give a little background uh, Texas has defied a Biden administration cease and desist order, refusing to dismantle its border barrier near the, near the city of Eagle Pass on the Rio Grande. They have installed fencing, gates, razor wire. Uh, Biden has actually been backed up by the Supreme Court on this. Uh, and then 14, at least 14 other states have sent National Guard units to the border to support Texas in its defiance of the Biden administration. Um, one other couple of other quick notes I want to make is that in January, a mother and her her two children drowned in the Rio Grande after Border Patrol agents denied access, um, acting under orders from Republican Governor Greg Abbott. And then just at large, you know, the U.S.-Mexico border is the world's deadliest land route. Uh, In 2023, there were at least 686 deaths. About 150 of those, 140, 150 of those were actually in the area around the the Texas border and and parts of the New Mexico border. so it's a you know it's a it's a very contentious issue and there's a lot going on around this. Um, so maybe Candace, you could start off with a little bit of the um, sort of the background on what's been going on in Eagle Pass just the last couple of weeks and how that's be. And your article is a big focus on residents in Eagle Pass who are actually opposed to the immigration policies of the of of Greg Abbott. And so maybe just give us a little bit of how that's being received by residents in Eagle Pass. Yeah, um, I'd say this conflict sort of between the Texas National Guard and Border Patrol has been going on a lot longer, I think, than most people know. It's sort of been building in the news the past couple of weeks, right? But uh, there have been Texas National Guard folks um, in and out of the Eagle Pass border area as a part of Operation Lone Star for months now. Um, And so this this has been a, a sort of slow burn conflict that is uh, been ramping up and ramping up and sort of like reaching this crescendo point, um, breaking through in the news most recently. Um, but you're right. I think you, you capped up the, the most recent week's news pretty well. Um, I think what's interesting is in terms of the Supreme court, they, they, even the conservative justices, right. Cited, um, with, with border patrol, um, and obviously the federal government, it was a five to four decision. Really, that should be like a nine to zero decision. It's even wild that that was conflicting the way it was, but, um, what they ruled specifically was that border patrol can cut the razor wire, the concertina wire 
to in order to gain access to Shelby Park, which is sort of the the center of the struggle here, um, in order to access it. But what the court didn't specifically rule on was whether or not Texas and DPS, the Department of Public Safety and the Texas National Guard, can continue to just erect more and more razor wires. So that's kind of like this weird legal loophole that's there where it's like the court has said like they can cut to gain access. And so Abbott and Texas National Guard is just like erecting more and more and more razor wire, but they are in defiance of, like you said, the, the cease and desist um, order, which is like a separate federal order as, as well as I understand. Um, but right, and so obviously, Abbott reacting to that using this language of foreign invasion, very specifically foreign invasion in order to uh, pull up some specific provisions of the Texas Constitution. And that's really what we have to look at here. I mean, I, I think most folks just kind of understand, like, this isn't an invasion. These people aren't coming over the border armed. They are seeking help. They are seeking asylum. Um, and so that's what you're seeing jockeyed about, you know, and failing sort of in the Senate that the recent Senate bill that just got scuttled over trying to just redo our approach to, to asylum in general. And I think folks on the left understand the Senate bill that was just passed as in a lot of ways, really trying to uh, make the asylum system even harder to get through than it already is. Um, and a lot of the reasons why folks are coming up right it, one is climate change. It's not all climate change, but obviously climate change is increasingly becoming a, a push factor. But another thing is our own foreign policy that has led to a lot of the the violence and poverty that has pushed a lot of folks out. So uh, it's a real injustice the way that people are looking at these folks coming up through the border in desperation um, as as invaders, um, as this kind of military threat and and Trump even using words like poisoning the blood of our country. You know, that is where we're at. So it's this fascistic rhetoric, especially when it comes to migrants. And you can really see the ways in which the Democrats uh, are are sort of so um, complicit in this rising fascism with the way that they have just totally compromised any sort of values when it comes to um, the immigration debate in particular, you know, uh, Biden, in his campaign uh, in 2020, he used words like not another foot to talk about the border wall. And that's just totally fallen by the wayside. Um, if anything, the Democrats are doing everything they can to try to look tougher on immigration and border issues now um, because they view that as uh, not a not a winning issue for them. So that's sort of some of some of the background leading up to before I went myself to Eagle Pass. Just to kind of follow, follow through that a, a bit, um, because I think it's important, what, you know, the point you brought out about Democrats and, and here I live in Texas you know, also, and um, I'm not hearing anything locally. People are running for office. We have a Senate race now, but no, nope, everybody, all the Democrats are avoiding this issue. It seems to me now you, you, you're involved in this way more. I mean, is there anyone in, in this state who's kind of trying to, to do something about it or? It just seems like they've all kind of thrown up their hands and Biden has promised to get tough and he's doing all the stuff that he claimed he was going to stop. And it's kind of very similar to Trump's you know, immigration policies. Is there anyone here uh, given any help? Is anybody going down to talk to the people in Eagle Pass? Um, not that I'm aware of. I mean, if you look at so Eagle Pass isn't isn't South, the, the South Texas the way I'm talking about. But if you look at South Texas, um, 
there was a Republican Latina, I think her name was Myra Flores, um, right, who flipped that county there or that one of the seats there, and it was very unprecedented. And I think that that kind of has changed um, the border politics where you have a lot of Democrats who are in South Texas and border areas who are really worried about taking too left of a stance, I think, on immigration issues because of that. Um, so yeah, I really think that the political dynamic has shifted. And this is something that I really saw in Eagle Pass directly, right? When when speaking to the residents. So the residents there really are just now kind of getting organized. They're they're organizing themselves into uh the Eagle Pass Border Coalition is is the group name. And they are getting a lot of help from folks in Laredo. Laredo is about two hours away or so. But, you know, the folks in Laredo uh, in 2020, they had their own campaign. It wasn't against, you know, razor wire the way Eagle Pass is dealing with it, but they had their own campaign against the border wall. Um, they want, there was like two separate contracts for border wall along their own riverfront, like park, park-esque areas in Laredo, like very visually uh, riverfront properties and uh, parks that would have been walled off, right? And so they they were they were successful in that campaign. They won and defeated those contracts. And part of that was the politics of the time. With the, it was like right in the election year, and this was around the time when Biden was saying not another foot. So they really pressured him on that, and they were like, "This is the language you're using." And so yeah, they were successful. And now those folks are being recruited in to help um, the folks in Eagle Pass get on their feet, so to speak. Um, but the folks in Eagle Pass are just facing political circumstances and a political dynamic that is almost entirely the opposite of what the folks in Laredo uh, faced when they took on their struggle against the border wall. So it's really just it really captures the ways the political dynamic has sort of completely flipped in only a short amount of time. You want to uh, spend a couple minutes just dis describing Eagle Pass, what the community there is like, how this is affecting them, it's affecting their businesses. They're dealing with this influx of some not very nice people. Like how are, you know, what what's that community like? And what are they, like, why are they so upset about this? What, what, what's, what, you know, what are they going to try to do? Yeah. I mean, they feel like they are just caught in the crossfire between Abbott and the federal government and the Texas National Guard and uh, these right wing folks who came into town calling themselves, you know, God's army, this this trucker convoy that I will, I'll speak to more. Um, but but they really feel like no one is paying attention to their issues and their struggle. And one of the first things that I picked up when I arrived in town and sort of drive around is you can really see um, that this is a town that is facing higher poverty rates than you might see elsewhere in Texas. A lot of blighted homes in Eagle Pass. I mean, you can just tell like just driving around um, that this is a place that really needs resources, you know, really needs help. Um, so what they talk about is, you know, they need money for they, you, the, the, getting a signal there just on your phone, like trying to live tweet or something. I sort of had to abandon that prospect. Bad signal. Um, you know, they want money for schools, infrastructure, all the things that a lot of communities are asking for. Right. Um, but, you know, so so one resident, Jesse Fuentes, he owns like a kayak business. It's a canoe and kayak where, you know, you rent and you go on the Rio Grande. Um, so basically, when the Texas National Guard came in and took over Shelby Park, they cut off his access, his business's access to the only 
public boat ramp for miles and miles. It's like for the next boat ramp is like 14 plus miles away. Um, so they basically single handedly, you know, like killed his business by by taking over the boat ramp to the river. And then also the buoys, the the saw style razor wire buoys um, have been an issue, you know, also for his business, like just people trying to go on the river um, and, you know, migrants trying to cross and survive. Um, so, yeah, he he is suing over. Uh, he's suing the Texas National Guard, Department of Public Safety and the state of Texas over those issues in particular. Um, and yeah, these folks are basically, you know, another one, America Garcia Graywall. Um, she is really, really vocal about the town's struggles, about how they don't want to take sides in the battle, um, but that they don't feel like they are being invaded by migrants. What they feel like is they're being invaded by the right wing folks who are coming into their community um, as a part of this this trucker convoy. Um, and so they're really just, I think, missing the media is really missing out on lifting those folks up in particular and paying attention to what what they're saying. You know, despite the poverty and the issues that the town faces, it's actually a really safe community. You know, they Trump and the the right always try to characterize these border communities as really unsafe places, and that's just not the case. Um, and so, just really talking about what it's actually like to live there, um, and 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 sort of deal with all of this influx. I actually looked up the voting patterns of of Maverick County. And, you know, it's for, for many decades, it's like 70% plus voted Democratic. And then in just in this just in this last election in, in 2020, I was only looking at presidential ones. You know, they it, it was like a 20 20 point drop where it used to be like 70 or 75 percent voting for the Democrats. It was only like it only went like 54 percent for Biden. And I'm, you'd kind of like alluded to this before where, you know, there's a lot of Democrats who are very anxious in, in some of these border communities. You know what? would you say in in equal pass is like contributed to you know this this sort of like shift is it is it some of this rhetoric that we see from you know this new republican party or there are there other things at play yeah in terms of the the drop specifically for biden i mean it might just be because of biden's problems in particular <laughs> i'm talking these were in 2020 though not not oh okay Okay, I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, it's just part of this overall shift that's happening politically that we're seeing. But I, I, I still think that it's a struggle for them to know who really has their backs with the way that Democrats rhetoric is so rapidly shifting. It is hard increasingly for people who live on the border to know who to turn to, who's actually going to help in any sort of realistic sense. Um, and that is a problem that is only getting increasingly and increasingly harder. Um, I know that that for folks in Eagle Pass, you know, the the residents most recently. Uh, so after, you know, my story came out, they released an open letter specifically targeted to um, Abbott, uh, just talking about what he did with his press conference, inviting the 14 governors where he did the press conference in Shelby Park. That was not this past Sunday, but the one before. Um, and specifically framed it as, hey, you know, you're putting you're putting a crosshair on our community and you are revving up like political violence to come into our community. 
And that's what we have been basically see, seeing. It's like they don't know who they who to trust in terms of like on the Democratic side and on the Republican side. They're literally having to stave off telling politicians like Abbott, hey, literally don't come and target our community for violence, you know, with your with your rhetoric. And 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 that is a really serious issue. I mean, in regard like in addition to the convoy coming in, which there were several myriad connections to militias involved in the convoy. They they really tried to play up this official rhetoric around we are not forming a militia. It's not like that. But if you really look, I mean, there are obviously many, many connections to militias that the there's a there's militias in Nebraska, California, and at least a, one member of the three percent three percenters who asked if he could join. Um, there are, you know, there was a member. So the convoy, if you if you'll recall, when there was a Canadian trucker convoy opposed to COVID. So that's kind of the lineage out of which this thing. We did, comes. We did a show about two years ago. Right. Okay. So it's that, right? So if you'll recall, that happens. Um, and then there's a little like American one that forms, I believe in 2022, and they go to Washington, DC. So this convoy to the border is like coming out of that lineage, but it's also connected the organizers to it. Um, one of them is Kim Yader. She's connected with this reawakened mega church. And that church has hosted uh Mike Flynn's Reawaken America tour. And it's this fusion of like Christian revivalism and conspiracies, like far right conspiracy stuff. And so that's really what this thing is. Um, there are were a bunch of folks who were armed. They, they didn't have their long guns showing up at the rally with them, but they certainly had sidearms that they kept in their vehicles. Um, and, you know, so after after this rally, we learned later, I talked to um, the, the police department there in Eagle Pass. There was at least one arrest related to this convoy. There was somebody who was on private property, and uh, apparently they had a warrant from Bear County that was outstanding, so they took them in on that warrant. Um, but at least one arrest was related to it. But more importantly, there was just news out about this plot by three armed militiamen uh, that was recently foiled who were planning to come to the border and specifically to like execute border patrol and federal agents and migrants. Um, so this, the last person in that was arrested on Monday or this past previous Monday. So when I talk about like this, you know, they literally Abbott is putting a crosshair on this community. Like that is what I mean. Like these are very concrete, real specific examples of people with violent intent uh, far-right folks with violent intent coming into this community who are armed and are ready and willing to do this kind of violence. So I think this community is caught in between not only this battle between the federal and state government, but also just in the political rhetoric between Democrats and Republicans. They have no idea who to trust. Um, and and yeah, that's, that's the position they've basically been put in. I, I want to get back to that, but I have a question that's kind of like political or jurisdictional. I've had people ask me this and I'm not sure I'm answering it well, but what's the kind of relationship um, between the various groups there, like the National Guard, the Border Patrol, is ICE there, local cops? I mean, how are, because I, I get the sense there's not a great, great deal of cooperation there as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's Border Patrol and there's Texas National Guard. Um, there are obviously- now, Border Border Patrol's federal, so- Yeah, Border Patrol's the federal. The National Guard, Abbott is, you know, kind of, deployed but 
it's actually federal too if, if Biden wanted to. So right. is that so Border Patrol is the largest law enforcement agency in the country on yeah. like every measurable metric. So as soon yeah. as you as soon as you so anytime you're driving into the border, you will hit a checkpoint, at least on your way out, coming out. You'll see it coming in. They don't they don't stop you coming in, but like, you know, you have to go through the checkpoint coming out. Uh, but yeah, you'll regularly see like once you're even you're you're about two hours or so out, you start to see border patrol vehicles everywhere in all the gas stations you stop at. There's like usually a border patrol like vehicle there at some point. So you start to see them all over um, that, you know, the ACLU calls 100 miles uh, from the border, the, the Constitution free zones yeah. in, in the United States. Um, so and anybody yeah. who's gone through customs, you know, yeah. knows that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, as far as I know, like even the Border Patrol Union uh, backed the most recent Senate bill that was recently scuttled by I the. I was going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they they backed that, which is why the you know folks on the left were were signaling, "Hey, this isn't a good deal." Yeah. But you know that folks on on the left and folks on the right weren't happy with with the bill um but for obviously very different reasons but i mean yeah. a major reason why it was scuttled is because trump wants to run on immigration he doesn't yeah. want enough immigration he wants to run on that um and so you know uh there's that but one of the things that america garcia brings up is she talks about how that bill it would have shut down the international crossings once they hit five thousand migrant encounters or encounters with asylum seeker seekers and what she talks about is that that would actually really hurt the economy of Eagle Pass because a lot of the economy is predicated on people who are crossing legally and doing trade as part of you know their their jobs. Um, and they they even want to build another crossing. Like she's there. One of the things the community is asking assistance for is to get this third crossing there up and running. Um, and so there are a lot of people in the guard um, just. Folks I've known around in my life who who get frustrated with uh, having to get like sent there, like people in the guard, like saying that this is kind of a waste of resources. Um, I can't I can't say who or what or what that connection is, but just something I've heard from folks in my life yeah. who have military connections talking about getting like having to go there. Um it's it's a huge like they get pulled off their regular missions and then they have to go and get deployed over here for how for who knows how long. It's just a huge disruption to their life. And it's something that they feel like is totally superfluous with the amount of resources that we already put into Border Patrol, like on the federal level. Again, it's the largest law enforcement agency. So for them, for a lot of folks in the Guard, it's like, I don't know, you know, why, I don't know why I have to do this mission. Like it's a huge disruption to my life. A lot of folks don't get it. Um, back back on the convoy, you know, th within like these right wing media networks or social media networks, and probably also on right wing media. I mean, I don't follow it that closely. They were talking they, at one at one point. They were talking about this as like going to be the next January sixth. The you know the organizers said there was going to be something like seven hundred thousand people who were going to join the convoy and go to Eagle Pass, and you know it was. But it turned out to be especially impelled in comparison to that. And and I'm just wondering if I mean I, I read maybe there were like 50 vehicles that were part of it, um, yeah. which sounds to me like a couple hundred people at best. Um, and I'm just I'm just kind of curious 
you know, where we have, you know, we definitely have, like you said, dangerous people who are, you know, participating in this, but also it seems like it's, you know, just they're, they're either they're not that good of organizers as an organizer. I like to say that about right-wingers, or it's just not as much of a, a buzz as they, as they, you know, had hoped. So a part of that is, and I'm sure folks will, will love this, but, but the right really loves to shoot their own foot when it comes to stuff they're doing, because it, they always, they're always going to be, there's, I think as far as they try to organize things like this, there's always going to be a heavy segment of folks on the right who are like, this is a psyop. This could be a false flag. Don't fall <laughs> for this. This is a honeypot. Like we don't <laughs> lots of that. Like in looking at the telegram channel, there's just like very elevated levels of paranoia about how this, this could be the new J6. Um, so I think that is definitely a factor in, in sort of depressing, like turnout is just, just, they do this to themselves, you know? <laughs> um, but also, no, I mean, you know, these folks aren't great organizers. Um, okay. this, Convoy was plagued by a number of problems as it made its way through Texas. Um, the, but one interesting thing that happened is some tires got slashed. So that's a fun tidbit. Um, <laughs> you mean the uh, convoy's tires? Yeah, the convoy's, oh. some, some of the vehicles in the oh. convoy's tires got slashed. Um, but they I would also never approve of that, right, Scott? We would <laughs> never. We're pre- I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-sabotage as, as anti-sabotage. As it, <laughs> it would be right. horrible if more tires got slashed, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, awful. Um, but so that, but they also had like turnarounds. They got lost. They had arguments. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it sounds like Rudy Giuliani was directing the thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. You are listening to the Silky Smooth Sounds of the Green and Red podcast. Please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening to us on your favorite audio platform, please give us a rate and review. It helps us with the algorithms. And if you really like what you're hearing, please go to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast and become a patron or make a one-time donation by going to our website at greenredpodcast.org and hitting that support button. So as far as I know, they had like a rally in Dripping Springs, which is about an hour away from here in Austin at a brewery and about 50 cars pulled in there. Um, But the main event of this thing was this rally that they did not in Eagle Pass, but in Camado, Texas, which is about 20 minutes away from Eagle Pass. And they did pick up uh, members and, and speed as they rolled into Kemato. But I, I was in Eagle Pass on Friday and I was waiting for them to arrive. Um, they, they indicated that they were going to arrive there at around noon. Like they were supposed to leave from Dripping Springs that morning, like 9am. It's, it's about a three or four hour drive from Dripping Springs, um, and be there around noon. They did not show up until like eight o'clock at night. Like they were nearly eight hours late. So I had been waiting around there, seeing if they were going to show up. And I decided to just give up for that night because I had to get back home anyway. So yeah, they were extremely late in when they were supposed to get there, but they did, they did have their rally on Saturday. Um, But yeah, you know, another thing that you really pick up on is it's in, in addition to the paranoia stuff, um, and you you can look at these specific links that I point out to like specific militias and specific sort of like white supremacists like Ryan Sanchez uh, is this white supremacist who helped organize that 2022 uh, convoy to D.C. 
following the Canadian trucker convoy. He's somewhat involved in this. There are these specific links there. But if you look at these Telegram chats, um, there is a lot of talk about replacement theory, racial replacement, and language around like the the quote unquote necessity of like white racial consciousness and really really egregious harrowing stuff. I mean, there's there's uh, they're dropping the n word in these chats. Um, whoever these organizers are, just have no control over these chats and who's getting in there. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is like, you can find this on just the main telegram chat and, and some of these like sub threads going on and there's just absolutely no control and they have the worst elements in there. But I think it really goes to show how uh, this idea of, of replacement theory, this conspiracy theory is driving so much and is the main we we don't like to necessarily a lot of the media doesn't like to connect those dots, but it is one of the hugest driving factors behind even the mainstream political rhetoric you're seeing from Abbott right now. Right. And that goes up to Trump. And that's why I brought up the the poisoning the blood comment, because he specifically made that comment in regard to immigration. And the rhetoric is getting more heated and more heated. And a lot of that has to do with this simmering stuff behind the scenes about the rights obsession increasingly with this idea of replacement theory. And I think it's just really important to hammer that home. I mean, we've seen the results of that, like in El Paso with the shooting and um, the violence that comes from that. So, yeah, I don't think it will be too long until we see some kind of violent incident on the border either directed against migrants or potentially even federal agents, or I don't know, but it, it seems like if this rhetoric goes unchecked much longer, we will see bloodshed th this way. I mean, in addition to the bloodshed we already see, right, with the deaths of migrants coming every day. So I, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but there was an article in, in today in uh, Newsweek online about this, which is very similar to what you wrote a couple of weeks ago. So it's it's getting out there. Um, what what are the people in Eagle Pass? It's not a huge group yet, right? Um, and I'm assuming um, Jesse Fuentes is kind of like the spokesperson for this group. Or I think that um, what what are like? Do they have any kind of specific plans or programs or you know what are what are they trying to do? I mean, obviously you want to kind of get the attention, but this is a this is a tough battle. Like, what what are, do they have any kind of larger kind of program hey. or? Yeah, they want their park back. Like this is not a federal park. It's not a, even a state park. It's a municipal park. This is their yeah. park. <laughs> like, yeah. Their park, just like, this is like their park where they had quinceaneras and like 4th of July cookouts and stuff like that. And like this park is now gated off and like the National Guard controls it and Border Patrol controls it. And they just like, this is the town and like, this is their park and they just don't have it anymore. So it's, it's really wild because, you know, when I was there on Sunday and the governor, he comes in with the, with the 14 governors and like, I'm with the residents and the locals who live there. And like, we're all locked out. Like we can't get like, this is, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like, like the governors and everybody else and all the press, are, they're all like filing into the park. And like, we're like, I'm over here with the people who live here and they're just like totally locked out. And it's just wild that that whole dynamic. So they are asking like for their park back. Um, and so that's their main campaign. But the other thing that they're really underscoring is that um, to, to go back to the the racial uh, replacement stuff, 
is that there's also those those historical links there directly to the Civil War and the Confederacy. So that park, Shelby Park, is named for General Shelby. Um, this was a Confederate general who there's this incident where he is fleeing Union soldiers and he, instead of surrendering his Confederate battle flag, he goes and he crosses the Rio Grande and he sinks it in the waters of the Rio Grande instead of surrendering the flag. And so for a while in their city council in Eagle Pass, like in the main lobby, they had this painting of this incident depicting General Shelby sinking the flag. Um, and that actually, I went to look for it to see if it was still up when I was there and I couldn't find it. So I think somebody had the sense to take it down finally. But so basically, you know, Abbott is is coming around again, full circle and 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 using some of the rhetoric that led to that incident, you know, to that conflict, that civil war conflict. He is reigniting the same tensions with his rhetoric, which like, you know, the subtext of it is this racial replacement stuff. Um, but it, it is going full circle. And and what they want is they want to rename that park. They not only want it back, but they want to rename it. They don't want it to be called Shelby Park anymore. Um, and they, I think they're still working through exactly what it would be called. Um, America Garcia wants it to be named for her father, who has been an active community member. His name's Mike Garcia. Uh, they want to call it the Mike Garcia Friendship Park or, or some kind of name that would connotate you know, friendship and their connection with Mexico. I think they really want to highlight and lift that up. But that's really the central campaign. It's just like, we want our park back, we want to rename it, and we want to chart a path forward to a future that doesn't look like we're going to have another civil war. <laughs> that doesn't look like as the, the bleak future that we seem to be heading into right now. And one thing that America Garcia Graywell has been really great about lifting up is climate change. Like, you know, unprompted, I didn't ask her about this, but she starts to talk about it. And she makes these connections between climate change and migration, um, where she's talking about, you know, if we really want to do this energy transition and we really want to adapt to climate change, like we need to be letting folks in and training folks. You know, a lot of these people, if they're not seeking asylum, they're coming for economic reasons and they would love to be trained to do jobs that would, you know, help bolster an energy transition or something like that. Um, or, you know, if not that, some other useful thing in building up the care economy or or whatever, just in, in the directions that we need to head if we are going to try to survive what's coming. Um, and so I think these folks definitely have, you know, good heads on their shoulders. They're in a really tough spot. Um, they're just sort of getting on their feet. But that's that seems to be the the central ask. One thing I've been actually thinking about a bit with this is one, we, you know, these 14 governors came. We've also seen National Guard units deploy from other states. Uh, Abbott, and I know DeSantis has done this. I'm sure other red state governors have done this as well. They put you know, undocumented people on buses and send them to, you know, the the woke blue states. Like that's happened actually in Sacramento, which is actually pretty close to me, you know, lots of times. You know, what what is Abbott's end game is, you, you know, he, he seems to be, be constantly like sort of trying to challenge the federal government. Uh, these other governors are sort of buying in on that as well. Along with that, I think yesterday, um, Texas has already spent in excess of $100 million, I think it's $130 million. Um, sending people out to these other cities. So it's become an issue here as well, just the the, the immense cost of, of this. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I in terms of his end game, I think it's really to to and and I think he's starting to sort of be successful is what's scary, but he's really amping up the political rhetoric and changing the politics to make this an issue that is like a thenema for like Democrats to approach. And I do think he is seeking some kind of change and federal policy that would make the draconian things that Texas, that the state of Texas wants for the border to become more of a reality, right? So one of his quotes was talking about how we're doing everything but shooting people at the border. Like, you, you see this quote, that's not word for word, but it's something along the lines of like, we're doing literally everything we can but shooting migrants. And that's pretty much what he wants policy-wise. Like he wants, like the he, a lot of the things that were in the scuttled Senate bill, he would like to see, right? Like he would like like to shut the border crossings down if it hits 5,000 people. He would like the asylum system to be much harsher. And, you know, he, like he, they want to make the current systems, they want to get it as close to just being able to just like completely like deport people and get people out and not let people cross at all. Like that's what they want. They want to shut the border down um, completely. And so I think that by raising and amping the political rhetoric this way, that's they're getting closer and closer to achieving that um, on the federal level. And, and, you know, they had a lot of problems with the way that that bill came out. But you can see a scenario where if Trump wins re-election and Republicans take control of the House, they would absolutely pass a bill that is so much more harsh and draconian than even what we saw um, in that sort of compromise bill that was scuttled. And I think that is really the goal. Uh, yeah, that that's what that's what I would say. This is kind of a big question because you understand this issue really well. Like what? The Democrats have punted, obviously, right? They attacked Trump and then did either what Trump did or did nothing. What I mean, what what's the way out of this right now? It just seems that politically this this issue has become so toxic. There's no resistance from the Democratic Party or from really most most folks, people on the ground. I mean, what do the, do the people in Eagle Pass have any sense of optimism or is there any real idea of what can be done given the nature of the, this political system and the election year and, you know, a candidate, both candidates are at Oldman, you know, running further to the right. Is there any, you know, you, you've been following this. Is there anybody who's come up with kind of a, like a reasonable idea how to, how to address this? Cause you know, based the white house certainly hasn't. Yeah. I think if you had strong progressives out there who are really running on the opposite message and really just like leaning harshly into it, like as hard as they can, you know, I think you, it takes some like explaining, like, I think not enough folks, like not enough of the public understands the the push factors that are driving folks to come, right? Um, and they have views of migrants that are prejudiced or just really outdated um, about, you know, all, you know, whether or not they pay taxes or, or these things like that. And a lot of that information needs to be like corrected and updated, but I don't see progressives. I see them backing away from this issue and not leaning into it, right? So I I think that there is an appetite for a message that is like, hey, you know, one one thing is that the story I wrote did ended up doing really well. And that's because it kind of had a banner, you know, the headline that was blaring is like, this invasion is not from migrants. It is from the right. Like this invasion is coming from the right. And a lot of people are really, really receptive to that message, right? Like that's not necessarily even my message. Like that's like the what the people who live there are saying. Um, but I think if you have progressives 
who are up there kind of like taking that message and bringing it right. Like, where is the war? Who's bringing this war, this, this armed invasion? Because I don't see it coming from the migrants. I see it coming from these far right folks over here and from these governments over here, you know, that's who's bringing the armed invasion. So like, let's, let's drill down on what these words mean. Um, and let's drill down on why these people are coming because they're not coming to invade. You know, they just want to live like, you know, I, I, I hate this, saying or I but they want more or less the American dream like I, I realize that that's problematic in a lot of ways or, or people can dissect that however they want but that's essentially everybody just wants to live like a good life you know what I mean they want their children to have access to schools and that's what the the residents of Eagle Pass are asking for too like folks just want to be able to live a good life and have the resources they need to survive that's all anybody ever wants right that's what the residents of Eagle Pass want. That's what the migrants want. Um, and and I would say folks on the far right probably want that too, right? Um, so we just need folks who are willing to carry that message. Um, and if I think, you know, if we all work together, we can figure out the solutions, right? Like we can give people the resources to like live a good life and achieve the the quote unquote American dream by leaning into the the energy transition and welcoming migrants into the new care economy that we want to build. Like we have to build these new economies, and we sh should welcome everybody who wants to participate that in that. And like we can figure this out. But there, I, it seems like progressives are running away from that, are more and more fearful and more and more basically leaning into this rhetoric around you know, what, what does this mean? That, that migrants are a threat, that migrants are a threat to our jobs, right? Because jobs are like scarce, right? But if we build these new economies, if we do like essentially a Green New Deal, but bigger, like their jobs won't be as scarce, <laughs> you know? So yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we just don't have folks, I guess, connecting those dots. One of the selling points of NAFTA and other supranational uh, agreements, like CAFTA or, or FTAA was actually labor mobility. You know, that was kind of one of the selling points of it back in the 90s. And now this is the, and, you know, in this whole period, I've never seen anybody defend the system. Well, the system is kind of indefensible the way it's being, you know, organized and, and processed, but still, um, I've, you know, Julian Castro has said a few things I've seen, you know, Beto kind of mushy in my mind at least. So, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a scary situation because, you know, it's hard in an election year, especially with these two, you know, Mesomorta running to uh to see anybody taking any kind of positive or affirmative, you know, kind of steps in this, you know, right now. It's just right now. I mean, I think that everybody's running to bash immigrants even more. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a scary situation. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's a little bit of a well, I, I had I had like one last question. One uh first I want to say thanks for the tip on the on the clicks on the title. We may we may play that into this title. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago during the New Hampshire primary when they were polling Republican voters, what was the number one issue for them in New Hampshire? It was, you know, the crisis on the border. And I don't think they were talking about the Canadian New Hampshire the Canadian border. border yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I, I just I, I find it it's, you know, it's uh, dispiriting to find that, you know, even progressives are backing backing off on this and. Uh, I, I haven't actually even really seen where like national, like the, you know, the the squad or anyone like that. I maybe I'm wrong. I haven't seen a lot of, I mean, also Gaza and Palestine are like what dominates a lot of my newsfeed. But, you know, I haven't seen a lot of progressive politicians speaking out about this. They do on the right, but I don't really see it on the, on the especially the progressive left, nas even nationally. 
Yeah, I haven't seen too much. I, I could just be missing some stuff and some headlines. Maybe there has been, but I mean, it hasn't really been super apparent on my feed at least. Um, and it seems like it's 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 just a gone silent thing. But like, but when Trump is locking up children on the border, you know, in ICE facilities, you know, AOC took a break from her first campaign to go down there to to one of the to one of the detention centers to, to join a protest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not great. Um, so yeah, I would love to see more forceful rhetoric about this and, you know, these, like the folks in Eagle Pass, like are a great resource, like progressives, like, I don't know, you know, Greg Kassar should go down there and like do a press conference with America Garcia and Jesse, Fo like that would be a good like media event if, you know, if, or, you know, not him, but he's closest. Um, but like, you know, if one of these squad members wanted to come and do that, like these people would be, it would be a great press event. And I think that they could really gin up like a lot of, they could get a different narrative going. Um, so for sure, it's just, we're not seeing a lot of, <laughs> we're just not seeing that. It seems like they're, they're instead, they're kind of just like letting this, staying silent on this issue. Uh, you got any other questions, Bob? No, I, it's always, it's great talking to you, although the topics we discuss are generally not, not all that feeling. But uh, um, yeah, thanks for all this. And it's uh, you know, something we'll kind of keep an eye on. But, you know, as Scott said right now, especially with Gaza going, it's hard to get any kind of dialogue on this at all. You bring it up to people and even, you know, I'm, I'm really no different. I mean, I'm following the Middle East and other areas. And kind of stuff. This is just gets a little sliver of attention. And so when I, when I get an article like yours, it's really helpful. But um, there's so much of the media, which has just kind of punted and gone along with everybody else on this. And now, I, one last thing, aren't a lot of these mayors in these Democratic cities that are, you know, having the people bust there, they're, they're complaining like Adams in New York, who's horrible anyway, but it seems I've seen like other reports where a lot of these cities are saying, we don't want any more of these people kind of telling Biden you got to do something, which basically implies that there's a crackdown there too. Yeah. I mean, that just goes back to like, again, like resources don't have to be so scarce, right? Like why these cities are, it's an issue of they don't have enough resources to adequately handle the influx that's coming in. Right. But like that can change that. We, we can always change that. We should just basically focus on the domestic issues that people are asking politicians to focus on, like, yeah. like healthcare and education yeah. and all of these like civil services that we need. Um, yeah. Like if, if we had listened to the demands of activists, you know, what is it almost 10 years ago more, I mean, for a long time, right. Continue. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the it's the same demands. It's just like I don't know how many different ways and or who has to say them to make them work. But yeah. well, Adams last year in New York, I think, spent what seven billion or some insane amount on police, and I forget how much of that was overtime. You know, you take a portion of that and you kind of resolved a lot of your problems elsewhere. Right, and you know, going back to that, in, in terms of how they they pour money, the Democrats instead of pouring the money into the resources that people want and are asking for, the people who vote for them and are often in their base, uh, and instead pour them into policing and surveillance. I mean, one of the things that Biden has been doing, even when he was using that rhetoric in in twenty twenty around not another foot, talking about the wall, 
um, he's continued to invest heavily in like new technologies to sort of create a smart wall. Uh, mm -hmm. There are a lot of up and coming border like technologies, these autonomous surveillance towers on the border that are able to like sense your heat signature and movement like hundreds of miles away and send signals. And there are all sorts of like really wild technologies that are up and coming. And that seems to be really what what Democrats, a lot of Democrats like are willing to fund and invest in is like they would rather do instead of building a physical <laughs> wall, they just want to build a smart wall instead. That um, reminds me of the the memes with the uh, the two bombers. One's a Republican just bombing. The other one's a, a Democrat, but it's got like the rainbow flag and BLM, you know, uh, on, the, on it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what we're seeing here. Yeah. Kinder, gentler machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it's been great talking to you as always, uh, folks. We've been talking talking with Candace Burnt, the uh, editor and and staff uh, senior editor and staff reporter at Truth Out. Uh, you should definitely check out her new article in Truth Out, which is "Locals Say Eagle Pass Is Being Invaded by Christian Nationalists, Not Migrants," uh, and we'll include it in the show notes. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to us on audio plat the audio platforms, give us a rate and review. It helps us with the algorithms. If you really like us, check us out at greenandredpodcast.org and hit the support button or become a patron at patreon.com backslash greenredpodcast. Uh, Candace, it's, it's been great talking with you again today, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Um, and everyone else out there make trouble and misbehave. I'm going to see you, my mind.